Yeah, I appreciate, by the way, that we've kind of just stumbled into all sorts of arenas today, which um, usually we spend a week doing this kind of stuff. And it, I hope you understand it's just an attempt to touch some bases and hope that somewhere it's been helpful to you without, you know, being able to do it fully. But <clears throat> um, so one of the kind of big areas is the issue of what is forgiveness and what isn't it. And two of you came through with, and, and Mike made the point really well that, you know, um, sometimes if I talk about forgiveness and reconciliation, it can make people think, um, oh, oh, I see the point of reconciliation, uh, the point of forgiveness is so that we can reconcile. I believe ultimately that's always God's desire, but in reality, it's not always necessarily going to happen. And please jump in on me. Can we just talk about it together rather than you? Look, I, I don't have the answers, but sometimes I'm trying to feel my way into, hey, what is, and here's what I, I think sometimes has helped me. Forgiveness isn't, I've got to trust before I'm ready to trust. Um, like, honestly, in, in, in our city, I don't know, three, four years ago, we had a, we had an awful relational fallout. And it happened, and it was just dreadful. But one of the things is it really broke my trust with the people involved, because we'd been with them 30 plus, at least 30 years. And it just fell apart horrendously. I mean, really, I couldn't, I couldn't kind of get up for a month or two. It so shook me. So we're not talking about light things. Do you know, I, I appreciate it. We're talking about real big deal. And, and, and here's, here's my funny thing. As soon as I've talked, how can we reconcile? And da, da 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 But there seems to be a blank wall on it. But we have forgiven. And I've said, God, please give me your love for this couple. Because I don't have it. But would you do that? So I can, even from afar, love them. But I know that if they were to come into our zone tomorrow, I'm not sure I could trust them. Why? Because it so shook me what happened. I can't just say, oh, yippee, you're back, let's... I can't do that. The heart doesn't work like that. And, and so I would want to emphasize really, really, and I appreciate that in every room there's some... There's some... Um, how can I put this? There's some things that have happened which are just traumatic for some of you. I say trauma very, very carefully. There'll be some things in the room here where you you have been traumatized. And so the idea that you can leap up and trust, you can forgive because that's God's way. You can repent of judgments, that's God's way. That's I can do that whether there's any response or not. Why? Because it sets my heart free from being trapped to what they did. We, we can get that, can't we? But the thought that you have to trust is take some time if it ever happens again, depending on what happened, right? We we always use the example. You wouldn't if some if someone abused one of my kids. I'm required to forgive, but I'm not required to have them back in the home again. Definitely not. Did you, I, is that helping a bit? So. So it, it, when I say reconcile, I believe there are some extraordinary prizes, and I do want to say it to you today, because I felt it earlier, there's some reconciliations in hand for some of you that I believe the Lord wants. But it doesn't mean to say he is going to push you to trust where you can't trust. 
In fact, don't trust until you really have kind of got that back in some way that allows you to put the bridge up and start sending traffic over. Does that? Does anybody want to add anything to that? Because this is a bit of a chat for a minute. Somebody want to add anything? Does that help a little bit about the distinction? Um, I think someone else had a question about something. Uh, or just say, is there any questions you want to come out at? You know, from this morning, or just it's brought up for you before we go on. Any, yeah, shout it out. It's a big deal, isn't it? Yeah. You know, it it does take time to rebuild trust. It doesn't come easy, does it? As long as I'm willing, and I don't mean with an abuser, I just mean generally as a kind of relational thing. Because in the room here, some of you, I could tell, some of you have been really broken in the relationships. And the beauty is these powerful keys of forgiveness and judgment do free you, but it takes time to trust again. It's just as long as I'm willing and I don't harden down and say, well, I don't trust anybody, you know, I'm certainly not going to trust leadership again ever. That's the danger bit, isn't it? Is where we, we almost slip into an inner vow out of the pain of what we suffered. And the inner vow can then trap us because in the pain we said, I'm never going to do that again. And suddenly we've trapped our own hearts because of the pain and there are all sorts of things like that. Anybody else got a question you want to jump at on anything? I mean, as long as it's not about the future of America, because obviously I don't really <laughs> really know what to say. But you've all got the answers here, I appreciate the, the prophetic atmosphere. Anybody want to shout anything else at? Just quick last... last um, <clears throat> yeah. How many of you have ever heard proper teaching on the issue of judgments? Does it all make sense to you, the issue of judgments? Or was that a bit new, the idea that... that yes, you've heard teaching on it. Or you've not. Oh, okay, all right. Yeah. It's just a question, because it, it, sometimes I, go, I talk about judgments, people say, ah, oh, we know all that, and then some people say, I don't know what you're talking about. But because it was a major part of my own release... I feel a bit passionate that we don't miss out on the truth about what it is to recognize judgments we've made 
and repent of them and then be severed finally from all the reaping we've had from making them. Um, huh? You agree? Do it. Oh, I wasn't going to do it now. Okay. I, well, I can switch. I'm very versatile. No, no, I'm not. <laughs> well, no, it, I've just been weighing, guys, wh where to go with this afternoon. And I, I've, um, can, can, I, can I do a little bit on it? And if you've had enough, just wave at me and say, I've had enough, Paul, shut up, or something really honourable like that, you know. Because I, I just, I did, well, Dan just prayed. Hi, Dan. I, Dan just said... <laughs> I don't know why he makes me laugh. He makes me laugh. <laughs> but Dan said something seen last night when he was praying at the end, very beautifully, and, and he said something like, shame gets in the way of the Father's love. And I do want to head into, head into shame. That's no good, is it? I, I do want to just talk briefly about shame. Can I just do a two-half quick and see if we can make it through without you drifting into that beautiful afternoon soaking? <laughs> You're soaking. No, you're sleeping. Sloking, sloking, smoking, sloking. Trance. I went into a trance. No, you didn't. You had a good nap. Come on. <laughs> Stop pretending. <laughs> I hate afternoon sessions. Honestly, I don't hate them, but you know what I mean? It's like, well, yeah, you have to try and be amusing to keep everybody awake, and then they still fall asleep. The jokes were bad. It's like... So let me just talk briefly about judgments. I'm going to use an example again to sh illustrate because it was so powerful for me. In the middle of this storm I talked about this morning, where I was wrestling with all these things, my whole inside was coming up with all the junk and, and pain and then my anger and da da da. And John and Carol Arnott happened to come into Bath at the time. This was 2003. And we'd invited them. And now we were no longer in leadership in that church. I was a bit, I was going to say a rude word then, I was a bit um, cheesed, cheesed off, is that okay? I was a bit cheesed off that they were still coming because I wanted to know whose side you on. Which you always want to know when you're in hurting, which side you on. And they're very close friends or very good friends, and, but they're kind of names coming into town. And so I was a bit wary, they came into town and I kind of... Ah, I thought, I think you're on their side because you're coming to the church, which kicked us out, which wasn't true. But, you know, it's that feeling. Anyways, here's what happened. And we, we matched up with them. And in their stay in Bath, I don't know whether you know Carol or not, but I regard her as one of the, a woman full of the love of God, but also full of holiness, in that she's keenly aware where things aren't in line, but she's also full of God's love. I really honour her highly. I'm telling that for a reason. And one morning, in my pain and hurt at home, remember, I get a phone call early in the morning, and it's Carol on the phone. How many have ever heard Carol? She's the sweetest. Hi, pal. I can't do her accent. That was terrible. <laughs> Especially in front of all of you. <laughs> but she talks to hi, Paul. Um, and then she said, I woke up this morning, and I began thinking about you. And I felt the Lord speak to me for you. Well, instantly my inner pain says, and are you on my side at last? Or you're on their side, in which case I'm not going to listen to you. Dreadful. Because she was really amazing to us. But that's what was going on inside me. And so, um, anyway, she says, yeah. I said, yeah. She says, Paul, um, I wanted to ask you a question. I said, yeah. She said, did you ever have men abandon you? And as she said it, two things happened. 
my shielded offence went up and think, you're not after me because it's them that's done wrong, you know. And over here I instantly felt the Holy Spirit show me four men in my life who I'd lean to as fathers who in my experience had abandoned me. Like that, chunk, 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 went up like that here. I can tell you their names to this day, the good men who I leant towards, but they went out of my life so abruptly it really hurt me and took me back to my orphanness. Does that make sense? So here's my shield. How dare you come at me? It's them. Why don't you get them? And here's the Holy Spirit saying, it's you. And I want to get to you. So I started fighting her inside. Carolina, like, you idiot, you know. And um, I said, yes, kind of like, if you really want to know, yes. And she said, okay, da, da, da. And she said, Paul, did your dad ever abandon you? Now, bear in mind, I'd never gone there, but the Holy Spirit's all over it. And I kind of went, I don't know. She said, well, come and talk about it. So they were so kind. Do you know, kindness when you're really hurting is a remarkable thing. And so um, Sue and I went up there, I remember where we went, and we sat in the flat with them, and, and we chatted around it, and um, she, uh, she said, Paul, have you judged your father? I never thought about it. And again, I felt this awful pain of, don't want to go there. But I know the Holy Spirit's on you, Carol. And... Um, I said, I don't know, da 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 And I began to fight her internally, and she's very sensitive, and she knew. Because I knew I had, suddenly, I judged my dad for what he did to me. You're with me still. Just stay with me. I'll try and illustrate it. And um, this is what shocked me, guys. And she looked at me very beautifully, full of love, and she said, Paul, do you want the kind messenger or the cruel messenger? And the fear of God went through me. Like I felt the Lord was in front of me, not angrily, not telling me off. I knew instantly what it was. not meant God was going to be cruel. It meant I suddenly had this deep choice. Was I going to go with his invitation, which is the kind messenger, even though it's painful because it's about being set free? Or was I going to resist it and the consequences would be cruel in its effect upon my journey? I'll never forget that moment. I'll never, to my last day, and I've laughed with Carol since, and she herself, as I was so afraid, we were going to lose the relationship with you, but I knew I had to ask you. Can you understand sometimes when somebody says I'm stubborn, <laughs> sometimes the Lord has to almost come with every possible love sword he can to say, will you let me go there? Because it's very painful, but I must if you're going to be rescued. And um, so I kind of quivered, and she said, will you go and get help on this? And I knew I had to because of that phrase, I don't want the cruel messenger. I don't want this pain to go on and on in my life, which I have to keep squashing down and getting on with life. I don't want that. And so I went off. And the other thing was that the church had to know I was going for a week's council. When I was trying to make out the church was rubbish, it's them, it. and suddenly I'm kind of saying, I've got to go and sort this out. So I went for a week's council, and here's the point. 
And we, it was a great time. The Lord was all over it. And by the end, on the last day, and this beautiful couple I was with turned to me and said, are you ready to forgive your dad? And suddenly all this anger came up and I said, no. It wasn't really no. It was like, ouch. So I did there and then. And then they said, do you want to repent of judging your dad? And I'll illustrate it this way. And I said, yeah, I do. Because I'd internally judged my dad for his whole way with me so deeply that I'd gone on reaping from that judgment repeated experiences of the same thing. The four people. Do you understand? And each one distressed me even more because it awaked. Awoked? Awokened. Awoke? Awakened. Awokened? Awakened. Okay. <laughs> okay. Whatever it is. Yeah. All right. Stop. <laughs> this class is really, Dan. Help me. This class is unruly. <laughs> listen. Listen. It kept taking me back to the core pain. Do you understand? Because here's the point I'm trying to make. When you judge someone out of your pain, two things can happen. Listen very carefully. One is you become like the one you judged. Which the Bible says, I can take you to the verses, Romans 2, I can go through them if you want me to. You become like the one you judge, or you go on repeating the same painful relational experiences until you wonder, what is wrong with me? Because this is the nth time I've gone through that level of relational pain where it really matters. And so those two things are powerful consequences of judgments issued. Is We either become like the one we judged... Carol Arnott's great example, if you've ever read a book, was this, is she grew up with a very abusive mum. And, uh, and then she got into a marriage that went wrong, and she was left with a, a girl. And she didn't know the Lord that well. And one morning, she, or evening rather, the daughter was upstairs and be, uh, misbehaving. And Carol went upstairs and started yelling at her daughter for what she was doing. And then she stood there and thought, oh my goodness, I've become like my mother. Do you understand? Judgment means you either become like the one you judge or you go on experiencing very disheartening repeats of the same thing, same thing, an abandonment again, a rejection again, because the judgment biblically means you go on reaping until you recognize it, recognize it repent of it, and then the sword of the Lord can sever you from any further reaping. And now blessing comes back because you turned away from the judgments. This is powerful, guys. I came back from Canada where I had that week's council where I did repent of judging my dad. I said, God, give me a love for him. And do you know what? I don't know what it was. The fear of abandonment left me that moment and I never had it again. It changes the blessing on relationships when we get out of these traps that happen through pain. Does that make sense? I was a bit of a... But it's, it, yeah. Could you, could you repeat that last part again? Um, you, you become like one you judge, or you go on Yeah, yeah, re repeating experiences of the same original painful episode. Because we judge that pain, we, we now go on. So those four people, I think I said it, those four people, I can tell you their names because they were wonderful fatherly types to me. 
you understand? And it wasn't their fault, I'm not blaming, I'm just saying I experienced a kind of rejection or being left by them and the final one was in that stormy thing with the church. <laughs> the very man who I loved dealing was close to was the very man who brought the needful um, resolving of the issue of the church, but it meant I lost, we lost everything. And so I thought, well, that, I thought you were kind of like a dad. Do you understand how it works? Is, is that, please challenge if you don't. I'm, I'm whizzing through a very long teaching, but it, that effect is so powerful. And sometimes people forgive very genuinely. They move on and then it happens again. And they think, well, what's wrong with me? Why has that happened again? Or church leadership or churches. Do you understand? It, it relates to all the key areas of our living in the kingdom is we want every area to be so freed of the past that the blessing of the Father falls upon every corner of your life and your relationships. Now, it doesn't solve everything, but you understand it releases back land to you that got robbed. Huh? It's big. It's big. I, I, in fact, if I dare say it, for me, that second part of the two twin things, the forgiveness and the judgments, I would say probably for me in that particular episode, the judgments dealing with those went to the core of my fear of abandonment. So it goes to the root sometimes of the worst of pain, especially with primary figures in your life who you so trusted in and somehow they weren't there for you. Please hear me, it's worth going there on those key issues. It's worth it, this issue of judgments. Because let's be honest, we do, don't we? We, we don't mean to, we don't intentionally, I'm going to judge you, but internally, it's like with this couple we fell out, fell out with, went wrong, I don't know. It's like for, for a few months I kept going, I don't believe you did that, how could you do that to us? We've been there for you, da 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 all these years, da 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 And I was going and thinking, I can't believe you did that. And I began to dislike them. I know, forgive me, you never do that, but it's like, <laughs> I just just didn't want to see them. And these were loved friends. And so, yeah, it's, it's I don't want to go on a horse on it, but it's worth looking at. And if it's new to you, you know, get Carol Arnott's book or there's another book, um, How to Stop the Pain by Someone. It <laughs> was really helpful, wasn't it? <laughs> by Jesus, is it? <laughs> You can see I've really, really got resources, clarity in my mind. It's, it's, it's course like how to stop the pain, but it's the same idea. You can, please listen to me. Do you know what? Some believers are really, really dishear disheartened because they keep experiencing the same thing and they don't know what to do with it. And in the end, there's almost like, do you know what? I'm out. Because relationships are challenging, aren't they? I know you've got a beautiful set here, but trust me, living in the body of Christ, trying to navigate to true family, oh my goodness, it takes the Father's love to ravish our hearts, doesn't it? And then the healing that allows us to say, I'm still going to love you, even though you just poke me in the eye because I've got free of rejection, I don't go there anymore. Yes. I have a yeah. I, I love your example of your father talking about how you judged him for abandonment, and then you know you experienced that four more times until you figured it out. What if you can't identify what the original thing is? Right. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. you, oh, I judged my father. 
what if there's things that in our lives that keep repeating, yeah. and we look back and like, uh, you know, I know there's something root causes, but I don't know what it is. What, what is your advice there? That's a good question. Thank you. What's the answer, someone, please? <laughs> no, no. Well, here's what I suggest. It's really good because, but here's the deal is that, <laughs> by the way, anything I can't answer, please could you just go straight to Dan at the end of this session and just pile in because he's, 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 he's no, but can I stay there for a minute? So, so I, I find, and it's a really important question because the first time it happens is often the key, isn't it? Where did this begin? Where's the root? Because that's where the door often gets opened up for the enemy to haunt us with repeating shadows. I guess off the top of my head is this is sometimes telling your story properly of where primary figures in some way, I'm trying to think of a similar episode, and saying he's the spirit of truth. And the Bible says he will lead us into all the truth. So I think sometimes saying, and I'm sure you, you, Holy Spirit, as I think back through my story, or even tell it again, Holy Spirit, will you show me the first time this happened? I'll give you an example if I may. And this, if this sounds a bit odd, please forgive me because I'm English, okay? But but I've forgotten your name, sir. I'm sorry. What's your name again? Dave, sorry, Dave, I had asked you three times already, so it tells you how much I really... No, no. Dave, um, so here's my deal. I think as far as I'm aware, I suffered a root of rejection. And can you hear me again? I love adventure, faith, hope, okay? But I've got to go there. I suffered a root of rejection. Somehow or other, by the help of the Holy Spirit, I discovered what happened at my birth, which was pretty traumatic, that was partly natural knowledge, but it was also partly a growing sense of what the Holy Spirit was showing me as to where it all happened, because my birth was such, I nearly died, my mum nearly died, my mum couldn't really pay attention, I was taken away, da-da-da-da. Do you understand? But I was able to, do you know what, that's, that's really where it all goes back to. Now, I hate kind of rummaging and, oh, I wonder if my mum, I don't do that. But it was so clear there, Dave, that in the end I thought, I think that's where it really entered in, was when I, my mum wasn't there, my dad was away, and it was like, hey, I don't think I was welcomed into this world. So I was able, by the help of the Holy Spirit, and a little bit of natural knowledge. Anybody want to add to that? Because that's a, yeah? Thanks, it's really good. And we could pray in a minute, anyway, couldn't we? If we've got any judgments in the ground, Lord, will you surface them in these days and show us so we can just, here's my prayer, when I pray, I say, Father, First of all, I'm forgiving, Dada, like I showed you this morning. Second, in the same moment, or as soon as you can, and now, Father, I want to acknowledge my sin. Well, it's not my sin, it's their fault for crying out loud, they did it. No, 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 don't do that. I want to acknowledge my sin. Father, I've judged them. I'm going to the Father now. I've judged them. Father, I confess it to you. I repent of my judgments. Please forgive me and loose me from any further reaping from what I sowed. I promise you, as far as I can, it's a powerful, powerful moment because the sword of the Lord comes in and now there's blessing where there's been robbery. All right, any other question? Because we're going we're gonna to go for shame. <laughs> the Bible says to judge between good and 
Yeah. It's gone right through me. Go on. Yeah. Yes. Really good. Can I just repeat Mike's question? We're getting into a lot of church, but it's probably, thanks Mike, really good. Mike's asking, the Bible says we're to judge, and you know, between right and wrong, how can I ask God to forgive me for judging when he's told us to judge? Yeah, is that just really good? I suggest to you there are two different forms of judgment, biblically. I wish we had time just to rummage through the scriptures. Can you just kind of bear with me in it and please search it out and don't take it because I'm saying it search it out Romans 2 and uh, end of Galatians 6 and the chapter we read this morning from Luke 6 but listen through because it is important and by the way there's a lot of misunderstanding about judging anyway at the moment so help us Lord okay uh, people are saying God would never judge he's a good father that is rubbish as, as rubbish, but listen through. I suggest to you there's a difference between judgment that hasn't got my pain in it, but is looking to distinguish between what is right and wrong, okay? Which we're told to do. Judging is simply separating what's wrong from what's right. Why? So the love of God can fall in even more, because it's judging what's in the way of his love. But it's important part, absolutely, okay? Can you bear with that? That's right judgment. That is wrong. You could say, it's wrong. It's wrong to abort. Ooh, ouch, I went on a big one then, didn't I? Okay, but you understand, we're told to judge according to God's line, not what I think or feel. The wrong judgment is my... Um, my... Uh, getting back at someone who's so badly hurt me that I'm sitting in God's seat saying, let me tell you what's wrong with you because you so hurt me, you da, 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 da. Now I'm in God's seat who's the only judge in those matters. Does, does, does that help to distinguish? Really important, but please hear me. The Father does judge, but it's because of love, not because he's in a bad mood. He's getting rid of what's in the way of love. It's really important because there's a lot of confusion at the moment. He's judging and separating out from me what's in the way of this great river of his love. But the wrong judgment is when my pain is in it. Because I'm now wanting to get back at the person who hurt me. Really good questions. Help. <laughs> okay, is that all right? Breathe. All right, is it warm in here or is it warm in here? There's another question somewhere, sorry. I'm sorry. No, don't, don't say anything because I'm going to get your name first. No, no, wait. Don't, no, no, I'm going to get your name. I'm going to repeat your name. Uh, no, it's Alexandra. But he calls her Ali for short, and they got a boy coming on December the 30th. I, that's, and that's not a word of knowledge, she just told me that, okay? <laughs> Ali, Ali, go on. Um, okay, so it's not really a question, but more of just maybe, well, maybe. Yeah, go on. Just your insight. Um, okay, so there's a scenario that I think of that I have a couple times brought to God, of, like recognizing that it's 
them that I forgive them and then even praying through it. But even still when I see them sometimes, I'm kind of like, you know, like I, I'm not seeing, I'm not seeing them through like a loving filter. Mm -hmm. Even though like, again, I have submitted that mm -hmm. to the Lord and like fully released them. I just like, so I guess I was wondering in the scenario that you've shared or maybe even other scenarios, like, do you feel like when you were really able to forgive that you were able to, like, see them yeah. through a different filter? Or is that something that, like, came in time that God re renewed yeah, your really filter good. for them? Yeah, really good. Because it's kind of making me doubt whether I really have forgiven them or not, even though I, I keep going back to it and, like, my desire is to. Yeah. Because it's not even, the, the scenario is not, my life is so different now, it doesn't even pertain to what I'm living <coughs> That's really good. These are real things, aren't they? They're kind of like, Dan, did you want to answer that? You've never seen me in my shirt before, have you? It's like, <laughs> okay, is that okay just to, to hold on? That one's really good. I mean, again, what you say? Again, um, I would suggest, uh, you probably have, repenting of judgments is really important. Otherwise, there's still an operation against the person even while I've kind of forgiven them as well, but I would say making sure you've done both. I wouldn't doubt the forgiveness, Ali. I, would, I wouldn't. I, w I would suggest there's been certain situations, honestly, where I've done both, but there's still an ouch when they come through the door. And I still go the other side of the room. In fact, honestly, with this couple, I want to love them, and I'd go and give them a hug, but it would be hard. I'm not there yet. So I think sometimes, as long as my heart is open and saying, Father, I keep praying, give me your love for this couple. I'm right now praying that, even probably the last week we've been talking about it. Because I'm a sad little bunny unless his love falls upon my heart. Because I still can feel a bit, but you did reject me. But in, I, I want to be at the place where, you know, his love is so, so I'll just go on praying. It's changing. Sometimes it's taken me months. As long as I stay in there, say, Father, give me a love for them. Maybe sometimes I pray for them every day and that seems to help feel well towards them. Bless your enemies. Um, so I think it's a combination. Maybe you make sure you turn the two keys, but also keep saying, Father, please. Let, and I've had that miracle you have, Ali. The miracle where suddenly you do feel, do you know what, strangely, I really love them now. I've had that we've had that two or three times amazingly so it comes I would just encourage you keep going but not with a kind of but that sense of father increase your love in my heart for them and it'll happen it'll come and then it's a stunner because it somehow does something nothing else can do but don't doubt the forgiveness unless he shows you Steve I think I've got a question yeah. I'm still processing in my mind yeah but when we talk about judgment for me, that's almost a courtroom scenario. Can you, do you want to just take this or can you hear at the back there? Yeah, it's a bit, um, I can't hear anything now. <laughs> shout, but, just shout. So it, it, it's, a, it's a legal thing, in a sense. Yes. Um, and that goes hand in hand with desiring justice. Yes. Mm. But yes. so often, that's good. when someone says, I want justice, what they really mean is, I want revenge. Yeah, good. Yeah, yeah good. 
So, you know, I hear that you're saying not true mm. judgment. But then, how, how did the Lord do that? Mm. The judgment of his world was to actually end up with the cross. Mm. So his perfect response in his judgment for justice, to finding the right way, was to actually sacrifice himself. Mm. And we're called to take up our cross daily. At what point, and what is the balance in sometimes genuinely getting the judgment right and, and releasing people, but where, where is it appropriate that we actually sacrifice ourselves in the process mm. for the sake of the relationship? Good. Very good. Well, I, I, you know, really good. Can you hear that? Where's, where's the balance right with the sacrifice of ourselves in the end? There's two thoughts. I, I suggest all forgiveness is sacrificial. It is a sacrifice. It's the death of me. Isn't it? True forgiveness is the death of me because I'm not going to get what I want. I'm dying to it for the sake of something far more important. Here's the other thought that occurs to me. For those who have suffered the worst of treatments, my understanding biblically is when we forgive... We're not saying it doesn't matter. We're not saying, I guess God's going to turn away from it because I've forgiven. What it's saying is, God, I'm entrusting this situation to the righteous judge. And I want to say to you, justice will be done in every situation, whether on earth or finally in heaven. It will be done by the righteous judge. So forgiveness is never Maybe it doesn't matter so much. Maybe God thinks, well, we dealt with it, didn't we? No, he will deal with it. In forgiveness, you're saying, I let it go into your hands, Father, because you are the righteous judge. And he will see it's done, whether on earth or in heaven. Yeah. Justice is mine, says the Lord. Yeah. Is, is that? So both things. Forgiveness is the sacrifice, death of me. But it's also saying, I release it into your hands and I trust you, Father. Because I'm not trustworthy when I'm so hurt. <laughs> this is good. All right. Sorry. Yeah. Now that you've had this revelation of judgments and, and forgiveness and the impact of that, how do you deal with that going forward so that you don't find yourself getting back into a cycle where... You have to be going through it repeated times before the light comes on. Are there things that you see differently now, or are there well, things that you put into practice that help you avoid that? That's really good. How do you see, how, how can it work out so we don't go through those so, same big churning up cycles? <clears throat> Allowing what we're sharing here, him to heal our hearts really fully from our own roots of trouble, means that when, because there's going to be other bruises, aren't there? There's going to be other hits. Maybe if our hearts are really healed, it doesn't latch onto those history wounds and arouse a bigger reaction. Now maybe I can forgive quicker. 
I'm aware, I, you know what, I don't need to let that land inside. Very quickly now I'm going to start forgiving and repenting of any judgments. I'm clearing the ground. And Father, keep your love running like a river inside. I want to suggest, because I've dreamt of the fact that I could live pretty unoffendable. Which for me is a miracle, knowing my background. Do you understand? But I dream of it because I believe that's what a true son and daughter's like. They're not easy. Let's put it this way: they're not easy offendable. Not much crosses or the. You know, they're pretty. You know what? That's their. They're in pain. Not ouch! How could you do that? No, they're in pain. I'm going to love them because I'm big and old enough in God to be able to love back, rather than start my game of how dare you reject me. So I suggest the more we get healed, more loved by the Father. I believe we could live a lifestyle of forgiveness where very little sets us back because we've got the hang of it, but also our hearts don't latch onto it with existing pain. And so it's a, that's a son and daughter, I suggest. Uh, sons and daughters are peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers, they're his sons and daughters. And uh, Hebrews, uh, Hebrews, Hebrews, Hebrews 12 which I think is one of the most stunning chapters to study about the Father's love, by the way. You won't think so, but it is. It really, really is. It's an incredible chapter. But Hebrews 12 talks about this. It says, make every effort to live at peace with all men. And then it goes and see to it that no root of bitterness springs up and defiles many, uh, uh, stops the grace of God. Um, no, uh, misses, thank you, misses the grace of God. We're living under grace, right? You don't want to miss the grace. That's what keeps you incredibly free. See to it that no one misses the grace of God and by the root of bitterness defiles many. So the whole chapter is on how the Father's way with you means you make every effort. I'm going to them. I'm going to them. Now, please, I'm not talking about going to an abuser. I just mean I'm trying my best to always be on the move or the lookout for making peace where there's been trouble. That's true, sons and daughters. You are born for that, guys. Look at me. Look at me. You are born to be sons and daughters who easily find you make peace because you already know who loves you, not relying on them and how they treated you. Ha, that was a quick one. And I, I keep getting this. I'm trying to be careful and not get But I honestly feel in the room today, God is even schooling us for the future in a world that is now so easily offendable, fractured, strife, kicking, shouting. You are being schooled by a father to say, would you be different as sons and daughters to heal a broken world by being mothers and fathers who've worked through the worst of pains, the worst of abuses, and said, nevertheless, I'm not going to be a victim of my past. Here I am, Father. Will you make my heart the heart of a son and daughter so I can go into this world that is so broken? And some of you, somebody came to me this dear lady and told me a situation early at lunchtime. And, I, and, and she was in tears for, for what has gone in her family. I said, I know, well, that's where we are now. But hey, we are being made the answer. If I say yes, Lord, the worst of hits, I won't stay down because you gave me keys. Can I encourage you in that? Please, you're in the school of sonship and daughterhood. Yeah. <laughs> I just have something no. I want to share based on um, an experience. Oh. Yeah, please do. 
I just wanted to share something um, based on an experience that I've had uh, as it relates to forgiveness. And that's where um, I remember one time I was in a situation and it was it was really just very hurtful, mean words were being thrown my way. And um, I remember the Lord saying to me, I want you to pray for that individual. And kind of like what you did, I was like, what? What are you talking about? Are you listening to what they're saying to me, that type of thing? And the Lord didn't respond to that, but what he said was, I have your heart. And that stops me in my tracks. And so I began to pray for the person, and not because I felt um, that I could extend forgiveness, but I said, your command is that I forgive. But I'm letting you know now that what I'm saying and what I'm feeling in my heart are not aligning. So I was very honest with God, and I said, I am hurt. I am angry. I don't agree with you on this one. But what ended up happening is I listened, I obeyed. And he loves our obedience over sacrifice. So I prayed and prayed and prayed. And the next thing you know is the situation didn't change, but he changed my heart in the midst of the situation. And then afterwards, I saw the change take place on their end. And what God did after that was absolutely amazing. We never became best friends. That's not what I'm saying. But there was so much healing here that it, 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 he used me to project it forward. And there was healing for both of us. And then from that, God will, if we accept that moment where we allow him to heal us, there will be another incident that will take place. But above all things, it's just being honest with God and saying, I'm hurt, I'm angry, and not judging ourselves in the process and saying there's something wrong with me because I'm being so honest with God. He will clean us up that way. Thank you, Evelyn, very much. Wow. Hmm. <clears throat> I'm, I'm going to make a suggestion I'm trying to track through and, um, I've still got shame no I haven't I've still got shame in mind to talk about shame off you shame off me thank you <laughs> can, I, can I just ask because there's a, there's a tenderness in the room I really appreciate it and there's a hunger in all of you here to find your way into being the most healed you could possibly be. How many of you here, and, and you, if you wouldn't mind putting your hand up, I'm going to put my hand up first because I'm in the middle of it. How many of you at the moment have some relational pain that you're carrying that has an ouch in it and you, you, you need to see a way forward in that relational pain? Would you wave at me now? Oh my goodness, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so here's what I'm suggesting we do. I'm fumbling a bit. But you don't mind fumbling because it means we don't always know what to do. But I sense the Holy Spirit just wants to drop some 
grace upon every one of our paths to oil us with a sense of hope and energy to go with where he wants us to go. Is that okay? Nobody's being pressured. You just I'm just saying that was most of you in the room and that's probably what we've been hanging around a bit, isn't it? And I learn, I've learned from your answers, guys. I'm learning all the time. Oh, that's a really interesting insight. That helps me. So how about this? How about we stand up? Because you look like that would help. It stops the spirit of trance coming on us. <laughs> and if you want to stretch or tickle the person next to you, just... just uh, that's probably not legal or politically correct now anyway, forgive me, but there we go. <laughs> um, Dan, Dan, come here a minute, can you? Um, and, and I'm, I'm going to ask Dan to pray with me because I feel a bit on my own. So, But listen to me carefully, there's two things. One is, <clears throat> God has given... Dan, an unusual grace to see bridges put up for those who've been really mashed and messed. So I like him being here because he's walked some paths that I know of some, which have been incredible in searching for what's got lost to see it recovered. Secondly, I felt the scripture come to my head just now. How much more will he give an abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness to reign that means you're not a disempowered victim you're one with some reins in your hand but he wants to give you grace to see all the situations we've just talked about come through wouldn't it be amazing and every one of you stand even taller in your daughterhood and sonship as a result and I'm not being superficial but I am being God's ways do work. So I'm going to ask Dan to pray for us all. Mm. Just hold your hands out, Tim. There's no hurry. Thank you, Lord. Mm. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Mm. Jesus, we thank you that on the cross you carried our shame that part of the divine exchange at Calvary is for our shame you gave us a double portion <laughs> you gave us gladness for sadness you gave us a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair we just come against that spirit of despair and we thank you for the cross, the divine exchange, that, it, that you gave us that, for that. Garments of praise instead of a spirit of despair. A double portion for our shame. Guilt says I did something wrong, but shame says there's something wrong with me. And that's the lie that God wants to deal with right now, that shame, shame is a killer. It's what the enemy told Adam. And God pursues and said, who told you that? Who told you that? Where did that lie get in? 
So we just declare shame off you in Jesus' name. Shame off you in Jesus' name. For every judgment, for every word of condemnation, every lie that's attached itself with so much weight and power for however many years. We serve you notice today and say, get off in the name of Jesus. Doubt, get out. People have said shame on you. I declare shame off you in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. When the heart gets hurt, it defaults in fear. And fear defaults in control. But today, as the Father heals hearts and begins to touch wounds, the heart will get healed. And as the heart gets healed, it defaults in love. And perfect love casts out all fear. Just right now, just say, fear, you're going. Fear, you're going. Fear of man, be gone in Jesus' name. It will prove to be a snare. And where those snares have caught us, some of us for decades and decades, we cancel them and break their power in Jesus' name. Oh. Just want to pray this as well. If you get names of people they could be alive, they could be past, they could be long, long gone. You may not even want to think about them. It's like, nope, I'm not thinking about that. But as they do, you know. Just allow it to stop that name. When Paul was talking about judgments, I thought, yes. How yet? And the, one of the questions was, what if you don't know what it is? Well, and as Paul explained that it will come up that, oof, that ouch, that's when you'll know. And some of you right now will know that ouch, it's a person. You've put them behind in the back of your mind and they're there in your blind spot. It's a person, it's a situation, or maybe it's you. Maybe it's something you did or something that you said. Or maybe it's something that you failed to do or failed to say that you should have said. Watch this. It is the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. Watch this. Therefore, when you feel that ouch, <laughs> and they're going to ask us to try and do this right now. When you feel that ouch, that pain, of an event, perhaps something that was done by someone else, can you pray blessing on that person? Can you pray, because it watch this, if his kindness leads us to repentance, and you just think that person needs to repent, God's way is then kindness 
Show them kindness. Mm. So if you can pray kindness over them and pray blessing over them, that will actually lead them to a place of repentance. Mm -hmm. But it's the hardest thing for us to do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so if you're feeling that ouch or that person that you're trying to, or that name, or maybe it's you, something that you did. One of the things I know about God is he does not want to embarrass us. Mm -hmm. This isn't confession time. It's... It's allowing God in as a father to come and say, I want to heal that. I so want to. I so want to journey and pip and penetrate that hurt, that pain. When David said, search me, oh God. It's a Hebrew word actually is hurt and pain. It's not sin. It's search me, oh God, and see if there's any hurt and pain in me. And God wants to heal these things, these wounds. So Father, again right now, we just want to stand and say, touch those areas, those pains. The hurt of things that people said, the hurt and the pain of things that were not said, that perhaps should have been said. encourage you to stay right here for a moment it can take a time sometimes for just to allow the Holy Spirit to actually show us stuff because we're so quick to move but just that, that softness all this is about our hearts that our hearts go soft Father, let a, let a rich provision of grace fall on every path. Lord, your enabling power that takes us where we couldn't go naturally, I pray it for every single one of us in the room. God, where it seems impossible, where it's like a mountain, now, Father, I pray, Father, loose a rich provision of grace and let the testimony in this church be one win after another accumulates a testimony that these keys work for every human being who dares to turn them. In Jesus' name. Amen. Wow. Yeah. Thanks, Dan.
Where's Mel? Is Mel here? No. No, she's not. Okay. Um, is there any other bosses here? <laughs> Why did five hands go up then? <laughs> she's the boss. Okay. I'm just trying to work it out, guys. We're, we're finishing up four, Max. Is that, is that okay, or have I got that wrong? You look stunned if you're saying, no, I want less or more. Ask Pat. I didn't want to ask Pat. Pat, are we finishing up four or uh, max? No, like do a mime or that kind of thing, you mean? Or? <laughs> okay. I'm, I don't want to fill up the time. That's not my intention. I'm just trying to weigh whether you have the capacity just to have a little bit of further rounding up before we, we want to pray over all of you. Or whether you want to rest room break or are you okay to stay for a minute or do you like a break for a few minutes just shout at me so I know you okay how much did you pay <laughs> all right <clears throat> so I'm, I'm gonna just uh, I will I'll just talk about shame and I know you probably heard loads of talks on shame but it's not to do with talks on shame it's does the father Dan just prayed it want to take some more wrong clothes off our backs today today now now because he is the shame remover uh, one of the stories that i <laughs> i'm always shocked by is and you know it well but the, uh, if i just go there and i'll try and just quickly say what it is and how it may be affecting you right now so that you can recognize it and say i'm out of this uh, one of the stories that always shocks me and you're familiar with when the pharisees bring in the woman caught in adultery this is the phrase that shocks me, and they made her stand before the crowd. That is a shocker. They made her, the religious chiefs, made the bad girl stand before the crowds. Uh, you couldn't have imagined a worst shaming moment for this woman in front of all the crowd she's brought in, and they make her stand before the crowds. Sometimes, honestly, and this isn't, I love his church, but the church at its worst has shamed people rather than honoured them. Because yes. it's made them stand in that embarrassing way before the crowds to show that they're not up to scratch. And it's a shocking story, but you know well the result was Jesus just kind of said, you want to do some judging around here? Here, we're back to judging, eh? You want to do, okay, go for it. And of course, they sidle off. And, but this is the deal I want to say to you. If Jesus has got the most radiant face you've ever seen, he is the ultimate shame remover. Yes. Those, Psalm 34, 6, those who look to him are what? Are what? Radiant, which seems the opposite of shame because the shame people keep their heads down. They don't really want to be seen. They're hiding. But Jesus seems to have this ability to look into any human being's face with this radiant, beautiful, shame-removing love and say, I'm here for you. And in my sight, you're precious and honored, Isaiah 44. In my sight, everybody else's sight might want to shame you, but in my sight, you are pressured Pressured? No, precious <laughs> and honoured. But listen to me, those words are powerful because shame is the opposite of feeling precious and honoured. You're made to feel rubbish and a failure. 
But God's constantly saying, no, no, through my son, in my sight, when I look at you, those who look to him are radiant. Uh, faces are never covered with shame is a stunner, which it means whoever looks towards the Lord, the king of love, will have shame removed. And somehow there'll be a strange radiance on their faces. How many of you would like a radiant face, even though you may have been shamed in your life? That's the power of the cross of Jesus Christ. That is the glorious news through Jesus Christ says, he did take my shame. And shame is a beggar to be chased out, isn't it? There's this definition, I kind of, I don't know whether I got it, I probably didn't, I probably stole it and pretended I got it. But anyway, it's a definition. And it says this, shame is a painful emotion caused by a deep awareness of inadequacy, insufficiency, and unworthiness. Yeah, I'll try. It's a painful emotion caused, it's very painful shame. It's in your gut, it's in your very identity. It's caused by a deep awareness of inadequacy, insufficiency, I don't have what it takes, and unworthiness. I'm not really included, so I don't have access to what I desperately need, so I'm on my own trying to make it work. Okay, that's, that's a painful experience. And um, you, you, you know, I'm, I'm running through it, but you, you, you need to know, don't you, that it, what was the first thing Adam ever saw? This is not a trick question. <laughs> I don't know, what did you see here? It's not in the Bible, is it? What did you see? Let me just ask you, what was the first thing he saw? Go on, the glory, keep going, glory of God. Be more specific. The Father, who said the Father? You said the Father? How do you know he saw the Father? He did. <laughs> because the Father bent over him and breathed into his nostrils and when his eyes came open, the first thing he ever saw was the radiant face of an absolutely outrageous Abba who said, hello. The first thing a human being ever saw was the face of the Father, as though this is the only, can I, oh, I'm going to go on one, stop, calm down, okay. So, so that's the first thing he saw was the face of his Father, which meant his whole identity was securely in place from the moment he came alive. Sue was talking about this morning. Isn't that amazing? And so Adam lived covered by a Father's love. You've got to be covered by something. Your heart is covered by something. Adam lived covered by the Father's love. Didn't he? That's what he saw. And he, forgive me looking all the time, but you're, you're good. But, but, but he went into the garden covered by this Father's absolutely beautiful fatherly disposition towards him. He lived under it. And so that's why it says at the end, and you know all this, end of Acts 2? No, Genesis 2. It says this, so they were naked without shame, as though this is the ultimate desired creation of God for his children. I don't mean by we were going to take our clothes off, fear not. But I believe it's much deeper than that. Listen to me, it means there was no part of Adam, no corner of him that was desired to be hidden in case it was found. 
Why? Because he was covered by a father's absolute affection. Those who look to me are radiant. Their faces are never covered by shame. They're covered back again by the father's love. So here's Adam. He can kind of, can you imagine being free of all shame? Can you imagine walking around without any corner of your being that you, might, you mind being found? That, that's true freedom, isn't it? I have no fear of you discovering any corner of me. I don't mean my physical, I mean my internal world of who I am. I don't mind you finding me. I'm covered by a father's love. Dan just prayed off the fear of man in this room. That's powerful. Right? So that's how they start. And then, and then, and then you know what happens when they sin. They're no longer covered by the father's love. So now they have to cover themselves by every single cover to stop themselves being found. All this weekend, I've had this sense all the time. God wants us to come to a place of great vulnerability where I don't mind being found anymore. Because he's come in and found me and I don't mind you finding me. Can you understand that? Isn't it awful if Christians spend their lives hiding because now we're in the Christian game. I've got to be even more careful who finds me in case they find I'm not up to scratch after all. So they clothe themselves, they clothe themselves, they clothe themselves with the fig leaves. Now they're wearing their own clothing. They're no longer covered by a father's love. And so, you know, somebody once said, I love this, I said, to be fully loved, to be fully loved, you've got to be fully found. No corners, no don't, no, no, come there. <gasps> if you come there, you might find who I am and then there'll be another rejection. So I'm going to keep the guard up with my own clothes because I've not yet found out his covering of love. Guess how I know these things? <laughs> because I live this life with a clothing of shame on. And every now and then a prophet would come through town and say things like, Paul, it's time to take the wrong clothes off. I take the wrong clothes off. And I kind of got it. I knew I was, I was kind of covered with the wrong clothing. And yet I never knew quite what they were doing because I didn't understand the real clothing on me. It was a clothing of shame because of the whole way I came in my journey. I don't, don't have time now, but you understand the point. So I live with the clothing of shame because I don't dare be found. If I let Steve find me fully without my a performance or my, I don't know, you know, my achievements or anything but not me. If I let Steve find me, he might think, oh, crumbs, you're not much, are you? Poor goodness, I'll find someone much more interesting than you. That's hiding, isn't it? I met a man once. Oh, no, stop that. Okay. <laughs> There's too many stories. But you know what? Sometimes you meet people and they just want to tell you their achievements. And I think, I didn't come here. I'm, I'm, I, you know, I'm semi-impressed, but not that. I really wanted to find you. Even people tell me their children. I'm going off on one again. Children's achievements. Well, my son, he's got grade 20 on the bazooka and he does this and he's flying and he's got an amazing mission. I mean, he's so powerful. He's seen 3,000 saved. And I think, truth is, in my family... One of my kids isn't walking with the Lord. I'll answer it. Let me answer it and see what they say, please. <laughs> yes, ma'am. <laughs> I meant a bassoon, but I said a bazooka. A bassoon's an instrument. A bazooka, I made it up. I'm really sorry, but thank you. It's an anti... It's an anti-tank. 
happen? <laughs> it's a gun. I'm sorry. You could, listen, you're getting off the point because I got the wrong word. <laughs> but you understand, people's achievements are a fig leaf to keep you away from finding who you are when you've got no achievements you're wanting to tell them about. Isn't it? And what I'm promising is when the Father's love comes back all over your heart and covers you, you don't have to do that. I often say to people, especially parents who go on about their kids' achievements, and often to say, what do you like about your son? And I kind of go, oh, what, I, like? I didn't think about liking. I'm trying to impress you with what we like. And they think, what do I like about him? Hmm. I think, isn't that the deal? <laughs> All right. Do you understand the point? We, we live our lives trying to present because we're scared of being found. But to be truly loved, you need to be truly found. And this whole weekend is about, hey, isn't it great if there can be an atmosphere where I don't mind you finding who I really am? Not because I've got a microphone, but just you find me. And um, <clears throat> see, in, in my family, um, not only is one child not walking with the Lord, and that's tough, and you've got them, haven't you? Or is it just me? If it's just me, I'm going to feel ashamed. Do you know what? We've got two children whose marriages have fallen apart. And I've preached on the power of marriage. Am I allowed to say it? Am I, am I allowed to say we've got trouble in the marriages of our Well, Paul, what did you do wrong? I don't know. I've asked myself a hundred times. Trust me, I have not been. I've been there. But if you go there too much, you take responsibility for your choices your kids made. But it's painful. It's really painful. And you've got things. I'm just being honest and saying, we've got two children with real special needs. And some people have thought, well, you must have trouble in the background. Maybe. But does it always have to be, <gasps> or can we just say, yeah, it's painful? Do I need to be ashamed because we haven't got a neat family? Do I? Or are we allowed just to say, yeah, it's painful. There. It's, gone a, it's pretty troublesome. We know that. Thanks for telling us. <laughs> kind of like, <laughs> so I'm serious. People have said things to us. I think, really? So it's my fault because I didn't check the generational doors right back to the 20-year generations. Okay, I get it. Okay, I, I'm sure I should do it again. I have done it three times already. If I will, you know, but you know what? Sharp. Because otherwise we're constantly putting shame on each other because you don't come up to scratch because shame makes people think, I don't come up to scratch, I must be flawed goods. That's a terrible garment to live with on your shoulders. In fact, in Jesus' name today, we do want to roll it off back to the cross. Because you know what? Jesus likes to take it off you, but the enemy haunts you, either with all the things people have said to you, done to you, abused you, messed you, trashed you, or mistakes you've made that were so awful that you can't shake off the faint. The, the thought is, I'm actually basically very flawed. And we don't want a church which only encourages that more because now we're doing it Jesus stuff. It's got to be even higher bar. Do we? Do we? I'm having a go at some things. Do we? We don't want a church. And it isn't here because these couple are a couple of grace. They want shame out of the church. There's a danger with religion. It raises the bar and shamed people feel even worse because now they can't make a new standard they've been jumping to. Ah. <sighs> 
And I, I, I kind of pulled that along in my journey, this horrible feeling of this. And here's what I felt all the time was, I don't have what it takes. There's something wrong with me. And now I'm in church leadership, I better not let anybody find out because I won't qualify as a leader. That's another little bummer in leadership, isn't it? Leaders are people who got it all together, got it right, never go wrong. Really? Is that the truth? Can we stop doing that for leaders as well? God's called them, but you know what? We've all got stuff we're trying to deal with. <clears throat> when we had this crisis with the church in Bath, do you know what? I, this is me. I could not walk through the streets of Bath for a bit because I'd meet Christians. They're everywhere in Bath. But because it was quite a high-profile mess, do you know what? I'm, I'm having fun. Do you understand? But my shame would make me hide in case they gave me that awful look. We all know about you. You're the guy that failed. Now that's partly my stuff. Do you understand? I'm not. I'm just saying it's a horrible feeling when you feel like I am flawed goods. So I just hope I can make it through. I hope I, I hope I'm allowed in despite my flawedness. And the Lord comes along and says, you've no idea how much, how treasured and precious you are in my sight. You've no idea. I'm going to wipe the shame away. And there's no, nothing in your journey that should allow shame to attach itself and haunt you with that clothing year after year. Because shame robs you of your destiny. You never really get up. You never find your voice again fully. You never dare trust yourself inside because there's this awful whisper that says, uh-uh, don't you think. See, what, what, what was Moses troubled by? <laughs> what two things was he troubled by when God called him? I'll tell you the two things because, you know. Huh? See? A stutter. Stop there. That's an impediment that says, I'm not fit to be the leader you want, Lord. What's the second thing that would have shamed him? Somebody said it. Murder. He murdered someone. Come on, guys. Have you murdered? Hey, who's murdered someone here? No, don't put your hand up. We might be. But, yes, I saw the hand. Put it down quick. Oh. And I said be open, but not too open, okay? So, but but do, you, do you understand? Do you, listen to me. Do you understand? It's not like we're new. The whole history of men and women called by God to do exploits has been racked by shame because they think, but who am I? Look at my inadequacies, my unworthiness. And through the cross, God wants to raise up a generation of sons and daughters who've got it. The shame's off, the clothing's off. The son coming back in the Luke 15, what's he coming back saying? Oh God, I've sinned and... I'm no longer worthy. Stop, stop, there it is. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Identity. And what does God do? What does he say to them to do to him after he's given them a kiss and a hug? What is he, the first thing he says? Quick, bring the robe. Stop, the robe, the robe. Clothe him rightly now. Because I've just taken the shame away with the biggest hug a human being can ever find. I've wiped the shame away. Now get the clothes on him, kill the fatted calf, get the shoes, the ring, all that stuff. <gasps> For my son has been found. And so, 
um, I don't know why I'm going on this, but you understand, don't you? It's a dreadful thing he wants to remove, and I'm sure there's some more to be removed today. And honour is the opposite of shame. To have a daddy's honour is just crazy, isn't it? Let, let me finish by illustrating this this way. Um, it's very personal, and I'm not doing it, please, I'm not doing this for effect, it's just very real in our lives. But the son that Sue mentioned this morning, Simeon, has changed our whole life. Really has. I mean, it was bizarre how it happened. No, bizarre. The story's funny and crazy and shocking. And, but we had no more children after we were 46. That was a joke, sorry. <laughs> but, but listen to me. So, so Sim is, is quite different. He's in a wheelchair. He's very small. His body is very misshapen. And uh, as we grew up um, with him, it really did change my whole understanding of God's fathering. Because whenever I take him out into the world's sight, they would look and go, oh, my, let's have another look at his oddness, and then let's turn away. Now, this is not emotion, hear me. Do you understand? Oh, and kids would point, and people would look in the supermarket, and I, I could feel it like, oh, oh. But all the thoughts, he's odd. He's not right. My, he's not right. And then there was bullying because of his oddness. Shocking bullying. I mean, really, I wanted to break their legs. I really did. And he grew up and um, it dawned on me more and more <laughs> that although in their sight he was, oh, odd and flawed, in Sue and I's sight we weren't really aware of the disability, we were aware of the beautiful son we'd been given. That's not false, it's true. I promise you, he's like, <laughs> he's like a fabulous son. I watch him. I watch him, not his disability. And um, and he has an interesting thing happened in Easter this year, and I'm, I'm just doing this to illustrate. In Easter this year, to my surprise, and by the way, Dan, just to comment again, Dan has had the most extraordinary heart for him, and that's moved me because someone else is believing in who he is, not trying to care for a disabled man. I don't want someone caring for a disabled man. But... Here's the funny thing, this year, in um, Easter this year, he came to us in March and said, we, I want to get baptised. Oh, I thought, man, number one is why, because I want to know you're really there, fussy dad. But number two, how on earth is that going to happen? Because number one, you get panic attacks, especially in front of crowds. And this is a crowd of about 400, the church where Dan's um, you know, been caring for it. And so I can't, and number three, how on earth are we going to get you in the water? Because you have certain problems I won't go into, but it could well happen. Honestly, I was like, I can't see that. But he was determined. And I realized, come on, get behind him. We'll sort out the details. He's determined to get baptized. 
So on Easter Day, it was happened to be Easter Day, which is pretty cool. Um, he was in there with eight others getting baptized, and there were some fabulous testimonies from those folks. It was powerful. Aren't baptism something? Yeah. Oh, come on. I want them every day almost. Like, yeah. It's just a signature of the resurrection power of God to wipe away the past and start a whole new journey. Anyways, we could go there, but we won't. But do you know what happened? And he comes forward and he has a very short testimony because he's really nervous. And I'm, I hope he doesn't get a panic attack. And he says this, didn't he? He said this, he said, I'm tired of being angry at God about my condition. I no longer want my condition to be my identity. I want to know my Heavenly Father. Now that's not nice, that is the profoundest thing for all of us. I don't want my condition, my frailties, my inadequacies, my, you know, whatever, because we've all got them. I don't want that to be my identity, do I? I don't want to live with that as my identity, all the shameness that people, I don't want that to be my identity. I no longer live, I'm tired of being even angry at God about things that have happened, that why wasn't he there? I want to know him as a heavenly father because that's the best answer I could ever get to who I really am. Yeah. And, and, as, and as a dad, and so that was really profound and they had him in the water and I thought, oh Lord, I could never have dreamt he'd be going through the waters to separate him from a history where people have looked at him and now God says, this is the son I love. Don't you dare touch him. And I feel like the Father goes around with every one of us. Whenever he has the chance to, he goes around and he kind of likes to take off the shame and says, this is the daughter I love. Don't mess with her. And with my son, I've often felt like saying, you've no idea. This is my son. Don't you dare. This is my son. This is my son. Don't mess with him or I'll mess with you. Do you think Heavenly Father feels that about you when people mess with you with shame? Don't you think he says far more than I ever would? Don't you? That's my son. That, don't you mess with him. I'm so pleased with him. Don't you think he does that? I think so. And so Psalm 18 says this to finish up. I love this. It says, he, God himself, stoops down to make us great like shame makes you small encased imprisoned and it's like the Lord comes over and says no I'm gonna make you great again because you're the daughter I love and um, well that's shame Can we pray a prayer of repentance? I know Dan's already prayed, but can we pray a prayer of repentance? Because I think sometimes repenting of shame starts to cause it to slip away. Would you mind doing that? I've got a prayer. I've got a prayer we could all pray it with Welly. With Welly. Do you have that phrase? Yeah. We, like, I don't know where we get the phrase from. With force. Yeah. Another one didn't go well, isn't it? <laughs> could you stand up? We're going to pray a prayer with Welly. <laughs> Oh, well, I might as well go the whole hog if that's a phrase as well. <laughs> um, l listen, guys, I want... Has anybody here got 
shadows of shame that still trouble your journey would you wave at me please and be real honest you've got any shadows of shame if it's just me you can pray for me one okay good anybody else got shadows of shame that sometimes wrestle in your journey about inadequacy unworthiness insufficiency i don't have what it takes i think i may be flawed right we're there okay good just wanted to check in <laughs> i feel very lonely sometimes it's just me <laughs> okay i'm going to pray some phrases and if you'd like to say them, I'll tell you what you're simply doing is you're confessing the shame, you're going to repent of it, and then together in the name of Jesus, we're going to take authority again over every aspect. And some of you are going to feel a shift as an old clothing comes off you and the Lord himself honours you with heaven's honour. So here we go. I don't know how we're going to do this because you speak a different language, but let's just have a go. Okay, so let's just quiet them for a minute. And I'm just going to welcome him. Jesus, I welcome you as we pray this prayer. Lord, let your anointing come upon us. So as we say the words, I ask you, remove shame in this room in a powerful way. So say after me, Holy Spirit, reveal the shame you want to heal in my life. Father, I confess all the shame and its fruits that covers my heart and affects my thinking. I take down the fig leaves that cause me to hide in any way. I forgive everyone who has contributed to me feeling inadequate, insufficient, flawed, and not wanted. Now just pause for a moment because there'll be some people, as Dan said, who's contributed to it. You may just need to forgive them again. That pastor, that mum, that sibling, whoever it was, even your child. And just take a moment and say, I really do forgive you. Now say after me, I repent, I repent and, renounce and renounce all shame. And I ask you, Father, ask you, to, roll to roll it off my life. Instead of shame, I receive your love and your honor of me, that I am precious in your sight. Free me from all shame. Yeah, now just stay there in that attitude of complete. And what you're saying is, I don't have, I'm not going to have shame dog me all my life. I'm not going to be robbed of a future and a destiny that's written in heaven. And so I myself, with authority, am releasing myself from the history of shame. And so in the name of Jesus, I take authority again in this room. Come on, just kind of like... Like, work with me in this, because it's very real when we're doing it. In the name of Jesus, I take authority over all shame, and I break its power over every one of us in the room. I break the grip of shame. I break all the effects of shame. I break it from the very beginning to the end. I loose you in that precious name of every bit of shame, and I command shame, leave every life and journey in this room. 
in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And Father, I pray instead of shame, you will shower a new experience of being honored by you as a dad, wanted by you as a dad. And Lord, like your word says, there'll come a double portion on the head of everyone in this room of a sense of how much they're honored and precious in your sight. Now bless these men and women. God, I pray. I pray a silence over this awful sense of, am I really worthy or not? I break that one as well in the name of Jesus. Because you know what the calling every one of you in this room has got is going to demand you don't have shame left. So you can answer it and say, here I am, Lord. I'm ready for what I cannot do naturally, but I know you can do when I partner with you. Yeah, that was another extra. Do you know what? Maybe we should pray for all the callings in this room he's put here. That without shame, you can do a fresh sense of here I am, Lord. Here I am. And I'm not saying it all happens in a moment, but there is a moment in which we say yes again. So, Father, I pray for every one of us in this room. Come on, come here. Come here. You pray. You pray for the callings in this room. And call oh, them out. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. That the callings and anointings of God are without repentance. They cannot be given back. Thank you, Lord, for every calling in this room, on every precious life. The dreams and the visions that you've put in our hearts, we just breathe on them right now. Awaken, awaken, awaken. Every dream, every vision from the Heavenly Father. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father, for them to come to full fruition, that we will be healed up sons and daughters, unhindered, unhindered, unhindered in Jesus' name unhindered in Jesus' name, that we'll grow up into Christ in all things, living unoffended, living unoffended. We refuse to take offense. We won't take the bait of Satan anymore. We live unoffended, and we love, live unhindered in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Just stay in his presence for a minute, will you? Just stay in his presence. Let the Holy Spirit. Sometimes he comes in waves of freedom where you just think for some reason it's gone. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray you will also give back voices that have been suppressed. Voices means not just singing or speaking, it means who you are makes a sound that he wanted you to make. I pray. Um, Dan and Fee, would you just go around praying over people, please? I want you to do it. There's a moment here. Just stay, if you don't mind just staying, or if you want to sit, but stay in his presence for a minute. Lord, release voices that have got squashed. God, I pray it. The sound you were called to make. Come on, Judah, go around. Judah, go around separate. Release, release sounds. Lord, release creative um, gifting that's just got squashed down. Hi, but Lord, keep coming over, Holy Spirit. God, I pray where someone got really squashed on what meant so much to them, heal and lift it up again. Because he stoops down to make you great again. 
He's determined to have you as He made you. Yeah. Oh God, do some wonderful exchanges in the room right now. Instead of shame. Instead of ashes. Stay there, guys. Just whatever He's working on. Just keep walking and saying, Papa, here I am. Here I am, Father. Rushiba Kanai Kushibakaya. Oh, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Wonderful thing when he says, I crown you with glory and honor. What is that? I crown you with glory and honor. Crown your children, Father. Crown your children. Lord, I pray especially where anyone's got just wearied out with trying to make it through. Lord, I, I ask you just somehow lift the weariness off and let there be some reviving inside of the hope that you've got things in hand. Come on. As we pray for you, just receive from your Father. Don't be passive in it. It's an active receiving of honor, a voice back. God, I pray especially over some gifts in the room that you were very peculiar to each one. Uh, particular, I feel at all the time there's some specific gifts that he wants to lift up again because they got squashed by a lie. And he wants to give the gift back. And if that's you, just say, Lord, I, I'm, I'm, I'm willing. Even though it got squashed, I'm willing. We're so grateful, Father. We're so grateful. Makura Shabai. Come on. Keep coming, Holy Spirit. Come on. <laughs> don't be distracted. Just say, this is a moment. You say, Lord, I'm here. I don't want to be like Moses that forever says it's the stutter, Lord, or it's what I did back there, Lord. I don't want to be like that. I don't want to let anything in my family bring shame that makes me falter and hesitate. I'm here, Lord, by the grace of God. Yeah. Lord, I pray for radiant faces in these days. I pray radiant faces, no dipped heads, no internal dipping, but some, some heads. Lord, you say you're the glory and you're the lifter of our heads. Now, come on, guys. If he says that means he wants to do it, he's the glory and the lifter of your head. And it really doesn't matter what, like my son said, I don't want my condition to be my identity. I mean, come on. <laughs> I'm the last person to be doing what I'm doing. I just chose in the end to say, you know what, God, 
if you wanted me to do this, I'm up for it. I can think of every reason why I shouldn't, but I'm saying yes. <laughs> hi, hi, hi. Mm. Wow, so you got anything you want to add to it? Come on, go, sure. go, go, go. Just so, just laying hands on people, you just keep your eyes closed. Paul and Sue started last night with John 7, the river of living water that flows from our innermost being, flows from our belly. And, you know, we're here on this life stream's property and this stream is literally flowing. And there's, I just think right now God's moving blockages. He wants this river to flow from our belly so powerfully. But it's got dammed up, it's got bucked backed up, it's got clogged up, clogged with lies. Shame causes us to hold back, to hide. Shame causes us to blame. It's this woman you gave me, God, rather than it's me. And ever since the garden, shame blames, shame blames. Couldn't possibly be me, it was them. And God's just asking that question, where are you? Not where is she? Where is he? Where are you? And like a little sticker on a map, it says you are here. God wants to find you today. And it's not because he lost you. He wants you to identify where you're at by just saying, I'm right here. I'm actually right here, God. I was hiding, I was covering up, I was running. I was blaming, but... I'm actually right here. I believe he wants to talk to you privately. He wants to talk to me privately. And he's going to adjust some logs that have been set sideways, which have been holding rivers of living water to flow from our innermost being. It's interesting that Jesus says, come to me and drink, anyone who's thirsty, <clears throat> and streams will flow from within. So the very thing that God wants us to drink is actually inside of us and it's him. But he wants to break some flow. Some of us have got so used to the dam We use it, we swim in it, we enjoy it. But it actually wasn't even his design. And if he moves blockages, we're going to know a power and authority. Things will move so fast. Things will flow. There's freshness coming. 
So Father, I ask that you would just move. Well, first of all, you'd help us to answer that question. I'm right here. Where are you? logs moving <laughs> things beginning to shift things beginning to move so we just say I'm right here it says okay hmm Just, just last thing for me anyway. Just um, stay away standing because it keeps coming back, and I'm. <clears throat> when someone reads out a poem in a classroom that they've spent days and days forging, and it's the most wonderful experience they've had, and they read it out, and people begin to laugh at them. And snigger, say what rubbish. Everything inside that person fades down and says, I'll never, ever do that again. That's just terrible. That was my best, best, best. I thought it was I thought it was the best I could do. I thought it was just so precious. But they sniggered and laughed at it. So I will never voice in public again. And I've had an experience praying for a girl who had a most incredible worship voice. And she was squashed by a pastor horribly. And she, for four years, didn't sing. And then she got sick. And the day she repented, no, she got depressed, I'm sorry, she got depressed. The day she repented in this stuff, the next morning, she got up and came to me and said, Paul, I can't believe She said, I can't believe it. She said, I sang again this morning. First time I sang. I could see her face was different. Now, what that's saying isn't about just, I'm going to say it again because this issue of voice. It's somebody here, I don't know if it's one person or someone, has ventured with something very precious and somehow it didn't seem good enough and someone made it clear it wasn't good enough and you at that moment said, I'm not doing that again. And whoever that is, I just want to invite you, and I don't have to put your hand up, but I know it's someone here I can feel all the time. If you can repent of, the, of that vow, say, God, I'm sorry, 
in my pain, I shut down something you gave me that's very important because it's part of who I am. If that's you, you could just right now um, just kind of say, God, I'm sorry, I shut down because of the awfulness of feeling so rubbished. I repent of that. I break agreement with that vow. I loose myself back into your hands and I give you permission to give me my voice back in that gift. Does that make sense? So who is that? I want to pray right now. Wave your hand at me. One, two, come on. Anybody else? Okay. Listen, we're with you in that. We're not saying, oh really? Otherwise we do the shaming stuff. When somebody puts their hand up, somebody should be by their side and immediately say, I'm with you. Come on. One, two, three, four. Anyone else? Someone should be straight by their side to stop any sense of isolation when you're acknowledging, I'm in need here. Okay. Okay, guys, this is, now those with you, just take a moment, we're going to do this, take a moment, invite me, it's okay if you feel safe to, take a moment to out loud with the people to say, I repent of the vow I made, I repent of the decision I made, I loose myself from it, and I give you permission again. Don't take a few, the rest of us, let's just pray around the room, because we're in this together, there may be something else. Okay, go, you four people, pray it with the people you're with, do it out loud. Offer your uh, repentance and then renounce the vow. Shamai, so the, the gift can emerge again. Anybody else wish they were in the prayer? Wave at me. Quick, if you want to get in on this one. <laughs> Just in case. Yeah, whatever here. Thank you. Somebody, um, uh, 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 Michael. Michael, go and pray with um, Adam, would you? <sighs> Anybody else? Now we're getting there. Anybody else? I'm not asking for it. Just to check. Your voice is the sound you were created to make, and it's so unique. Habai Shubarabakaya. You know that song? All these years, you have been faithful. All these years, you have been faithful. You have been faithful. I'm not singing that song. I know. What's wrong with you? It's your voice. You just broke the vow, didn't you? When I sing the Spirit and the Bride.
Oh, yeah. 
Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for this season. Thank you for this chapter. Thank you for this moment. And God, we thank you that you are the God that redeems the times. And like shame, we also don't have to live in regret. Because you're the redeemer of our time. Thank you that you can do more in 20 minutes than we can do in 20 years. Mm. I just want to say this as we just close our time here this afternoon that Paul and Sue started talking about the river that flows from our belly, from our tummy, from our innermost being. And that's where we drink from but I just want to close with this. You know Jesus when he tells the story of the talent, sorry, not the talents, the seed and the sower. And he talks about the different types of seed and the soil. <clears throat> he says something really profound. Jesus says, if you don't understand this, you won't understand anything. Which means there's something really powerful in here, right? And when he, when he, Jesus is one of the very few times he exegeses his own scripture. I'm not going to do that at all this afternoon. I just want to say this. When he explained it, he said, it's the one that receives with understanding. Everyone say understanding. That produces 30, 60, and 100 fold. And I want to encourage you, before you race off, and we're even finishing early, from everything that Paul and Sue have shared, which is seed going into our hearts, this is a heart conference, and the heart, the soil is our heart. Can I encourage you, before you race, change gear, go to the grocery store, pick up kids, babysitters, what about this, what about that, tomorrow, rest of the day. Go and find somewhere, on the property here, on a seat somewhere by the river, by a stream, stay in here, by the fire, sit in your car, go home, sit in your living room pull up in a park somewhere and just consider what God said today and consider what God's done write it down just thank him because it's easy it's like something happened but I'm not sure what it was I'm going to move on and then suddenly what happened to that seed it, it landed on soil the soil was good that was a great weekend I don't fully understand you follow it's not that we're going to understand all of it today but just allow that seed the seed to take root because once it takes root then it will bear fruit so can I encourage you I'm going to ask Paul and Sue if you can both come and just pray for us over our hearts over <coughs> the seed before we leave but can we just commit to do that it's, I just know what it's like. It's like, 
gosh, four o'clock, we're going to do this. And suddenly, what happened to that seed? God did something. But we didn't take the time just to allow God to finish what he began in us. Amen. Before we do that, and I hand it, can we just honour this couple for all they've done? All this really lovely Thank you. Come on. We're going to close this out. Thank you. Um, thanks. Honestly, it's, be, it's been a real... This is not nice, it is, right? It's been a real pleasure being with you. You're, you're crazy, all of you. Just crazy, but it's such fun being with you. Honestly, the openness and the fun and yet the hunger. We want to say thank you for such good soil here. And uh, put your hand on your heart now. I'll get Sue to pray, and I'm going to pray after her, and then we're done. Yeah, the scripture says that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion so my prayer is that holy spirit we thank you for what you've done today and what you've begun i ask for more keep coming in these precious hearts what you've begun today that you will carry on to completion and we thank you and we bless you in the name of the lord jesus christ may his face shine on you as you go from here May you feel his touch and see his smile on your face as you turn to him. Amen. Amen. Love you all. Bye-bye now.